to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, so uh, feel free to give us a call, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. I have Mike Seeger with me on the radio today. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, Mike is actually the publisher of Look Out for the Bull, and I am just the uh, content provider. <laughs> <laughs> so he does all the all the real work. <laughs> I just do what I do. And we'll be talking about uh, some of that stuff coming up later in today's show. And uh, um, if you again, feel free to, to reach out to us. Look out for the Bull website. It's actually a separate business from Lookout, uh, from uh, Bullington Capital. But uh, it's an educational company, and I think it's a, uh, um, I think it's a good idea. And I, I try to keep everything as simple as humanly possible. That, that's one of my goals in life is to try to simplify you know, whether it's the financial planning process for retirement. Um, and by the way, financial planning is all the same thing. Every single bit of it. It's, you're looking at what you know the academics like to refer to as discounting future cash flows. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all some variation on that theme. Should I buy this piece of equipment? I don't know what kind of cash do you think it will generate and how much is it going to cost you and over what time period? It's just like your retirement. It's just like planning for your kid's college. It's that kid's wedding. The uh, And uh, we've uh, just recently, I've, I've been taking the uh, CFB classes again after all these years. Holy cow, is that the uh, boring, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better word. But, and I decided to change routes. I'm going to finish the uh, CRPC, that's uh, Charter Retirement Planning Counselor, first because those count, those classes count towards the uh, CFP. A CFP adds into it the uh, life insurance, uh, health insurance, homeowners insurance, automobile insurance, <laughs> and they add into it uh, uh, taxes, estate planning, you know, college planning. You know, one person really cannot master all those topics. <laughs> it's just not possible, and uh, I'm not sure exactly why they do that. But the uh, anyway, I guess you know it's um, supposedly graduate level. And uh, we'll get around to it, but uh, I like to focus on retirement planning uh, because you know what? It is a really big number to to be able to walk away from your job and be able to say, "I'm going to you know rest on my assets. I'm going to re- uh, rely on my assets to produce enough income so that I don't have to work. You know, past whatever age it is that you don't have to work is is really a lot." Uh, the BlackRock, it's a, their largest asset manager on the planet. It's somewhere around $7 trillion in assets now. And so they've got all the artificial intelligence. They've got the latest and greatest of everything. And they're saying that, look, don't count on more than 4.5% a year uh, to be able to take out. That's a sustainable withdrawal rate. When they say 4.5%, there's, that's a starting point because inflation doesn't retire when you do. And I can 
That is the uh, um, and if you, I don't if you've eaten out lately, you know, in a restaurant, you, you notice. Have you noticed that? I don't. I have. Yeah, I haven't eaten out in quite a while. I'm I'm on a college budget, so oh, okay. I go maybe once a month. <laughs> All right. Well, I can tell you, over the past three or four years, the the prices at your my favorite places like Panera, the uh, uh, any restaurants really, they're significantly higher than they have been. So, and you know, it it's a good thing that the CPI. Uh, puts out, they, they disqualify food prices <laughs> <laughs> because the real inflation rate would be significantly higher. So, uh, and that, that's one of the problems. So when you retire, you're going to start at the four and a half percent number. That's, that's the one BlackRock recommends and, and a lot of other, you know, financial planning firms or investment advisory firms. So you start there, but you know, you're going to have to increase that over time because costs are going to go up. That's just the starting point. And, uh, so if you look at four and a half percent on a million dollars, that that's forty five thousand a year before taxes. And after taxes, you're probably looking at just a little bit over three thousand dollars a month. That's on a million dollars. So you got to accumulate a million dollars, and that's why I decided to try to focus on this as a you know our practice. How do you how do you accumulate enough money to get there, and then how do you make sure it lasts on as long as you do? Yeah, and that's those are not easy. <laughs> that's not easy to do. It, it's really not easy. And somebody you know, asks me, well, what's the best time to start planning for retirement? When you're 12, because <laughs> that's about the amount of time that it's going to take. Now, I know people don't do that, you know, and, uh, and you just do the best you can. Incidentally, Social Security, average Social Security payment, somewhere around 14, 1500 bucks a month. Uh, it's between those two numbers. So if it took 1500 the higher end, of it, it's about eighteen thousand. So I take the fourteen hundred. I mean, uh, around sixteen nine or sixteen eight. I think it's sixteen eight. So if you were to take uh, those numbers, and let me actually start my uh, calculator up here since I have it with me. So let's say I got the fourteen fifty was actually the average Social Security payment. Uh, that's seventeen thousand four hundred dollars. Now if I divide that by 0.045 or four and a half percent, that's $386,666. So that's, that prevents you from having to save that $386,000. That's what that $1,450 a month is actually worth. It's worth about having $386,000 in your investment accounts. By the way, the social security is going to go up every year. Uh, may not keep up with inflation, but that's a topic for a different show. But it saves you from having to save three hundred eighty-six thousand dollars. That, you know, that's amazing. That is one of the most successful programs that's ever existed. And by the way, you've contributed to that. When um, people call it entitlements, so you'll, you'll hear them using that phrase as something negative. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yes, you are entitled to that. That's not a negative thing. You've paid into that <laughs> for years. You've paid into that. So you deserve that. You are entitled to that money. It's your money that you're getting back. Part of the uh, way the whole system works. And it's one of the more successful ones. And I wouldn't worry about them not being able to pay out. I hear this a lot. People say, well, you know, Social Security is going to run out of money. No. Yeah. And if they do, they'll just raise taxes. It's it's literally that simple. They'll raise taxes. And, and in fact, they're probably going to raise taxes a little bit at some point in time. And this will be a 
two-term president who's coming up on his last year in office, who's not running for re-election, then he can get it done. <laughs> <laughs> or she. The, um, but uh, somebody that does that is not going to get re-elected because they're going to have to push out Social Security. I, I don't expect Social Security to be, that, that you'll be able to collect full Social Security. See, when you start earlier, you can collect a smaller amount because uh, they have to pay it out over a longer time period. So if the longer you wait, the higher the Social Security goes up. Uh, today, the full retirement age is 67. I fully expect that by the time I'm there, it's going to be 70, maybe 72. And with people's life expectancies being a lot longer, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, so, And uh, you see a lot of uh, 70-year-olds today, You know, they look like what 50-year-olds used to look like in the 70s. <laughs> the, uh, so... Um, People are getting living longer, healthier. It's just modern weird. medicine. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy, but uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool too. So anyway, that's what I, all they have to do to save social security is postpone the amount that you can re- retire and collect the full dollar amount and just raise taxes, even just a little bit. And we're good. So that's the, uh, uh, that's the long and the short of the, the whole social security thing. Now, nobody wants to, um, raise taxes. Nobody wants to push out the retirement age unless they absolutely have to. And that's kind of the way it works in this country. <laughs> you wait until it's an emergency and then we do something. Yeah. So, uh, but the good news is it, it will be fixed. And you know, what else is really good news is when you're looking at stocks, there's a way of telling when a stock is, is valued normally, uh, or not. And we're going to cover that at, at the next seminar, but you can't sign up for it yet because it's not on the website. But the, uh, how do you know when a stock is, uh, fairly valued and why would you even want to know? Uh, well, the reason you'd want to know is for comfort. You know, when you're looking at a fund or you're sitting down and talking to your advisor and you can go to your advisor and say, Hey, could you tell me what the average valuation of the average stock in that fund is? Uh, see, I can do that. Yeah. Because I pay extra for the money to be able to to pull up that data. But in addition to that, uh, I know what it means and I can translate that for you. And uh, so this is how we kind of pick funds. We're looking for funds that, uh, and almost they're all mathematically derived now. It's just a formula. Uh, and, uh, but just because they're mathematically derived doesn't mean they don't get overpriced. The, uh, so that, that that's a topic for a whole nother. That would take me a month that they actually explain that. But anyway, when you see that the fund, the stocks in the funds that, that you've done your research on are not overpriced, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Overpriced stocks tend to correct themselves sooner or later. What does that mean? They're going down. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you look at the stock market as a whole, and it's not overpriced. Actually, it's right around where it should be. This is right where it should be. Now, does that mean it can't get underpriced? No, absolutely not. You know, stocks could drop. If they were to go down 15, 20, 30% from where they are right now, I'd say, hey, it's time to start selling some of those bonds and add to your stocks. Yeah, if stocks ran up 30 or 40% from where they are right now, I don't know. The uh, you're, it's, it's slightly on the high side. You might want to rebalance that now. By rebalancing, you're automatically taking some of those profits and moving it back over to the safer side. And then we'll wait for the next correction, and then we'll do that again. We'll rebalance. We'll add to the stocks when they're down. So 
That's a really good thing. You don't even have to do it every year, quite frankly. Yeah, every other year is fine. But it does, you know, it makes common sense and it does add value to uh, your investment process in uh, just the management of those assets. So we will talk about that on, on almost every, at almost every seminar. Uh, we'll talk a lot about what Mike and I talk about most of the time. That's uh, how do you identify stocks that are going up real fast right now? And uh, how do you invest in those? And there's a way of doing that. And uh, it, this should be relegated to hobby status unless you've got an, an amazing amount of time. Uh, and, uh, and even then, uh, to do a lot better than you're going to do following the lookout for the bull advice is going to be luck. You know, if, if you do better, it's not because you are better. It's because you got lucky because, uh, we're leveling the table. You know, everybody's on this, on a level playing field that has access to that information. Now, if you don't follow or, or if you don't, if you don't use the information, that's another story altogether. And that's what I find is, is pretty difficult for the vast majority of people. Uh, one of the challenges is that, you know, I think I, I got stopped out of Tesla. I think I told you it was once. I think it was twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got stopped out twice, and it came up on my scan again, so I bought it back again, and now it's uh, the second leading stock as far as total gains go. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And uh, I don't own a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I watched that uh, Elon Musk. Uh, the Cybertruck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. The uh, You can tell... Uh, uh, so that was not the glass that they were expecting. What what really surprised me is he broke the first window right. and then he did it again and broke the other <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah as, as if they might have used a different type of glass. <laughs> right. But uh, that is really funny. And uh, what's what's amazing is, you know, he's he's continuing to roll that stuff up. You know, he bought Solar City. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were his cousins that ran Solar City. The uh, I got this Scientific American magazine. Uh, lately, and it's talking about a lot of the developments in uh, solar. Uh, it's talking about a lot of developments in natural gas. This was very popular for a little while in the natural gas stuff. They can convert natural gas into jet fuel that burns uh, about 90% cleaner than regular jet fuel and costs about half as much. Wow. Yeah, think about that for a second. Yeah, Do you know who has the largest natural gas reserves in the world now? We do. United States. <laughs> we are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, and you can Google that. Um, no fake information <laughs> on the Bullington Capital Show. The, uh, I think I got a, a phone call coming in here. By the way, if you want to call us, 216-901-0945. And I got Jimmy. Hey. Yeah, Bill. Hey, how are you doing? We're doing good. How are we doing? Pretty good. Say, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Fed's intervention in the repo market. Uh, they seem to be dumping a lot of liquidity into the markets, and I wonder if that concerns you at all. Not really. Um, if it gets, uh, if there's a problem that surfaces where they're actually required to come in, then you're going to see a, uh, you'll see the markets swoon uh, worldwide. But the uh, uh, the Fed is plenty capable of stepping up and handling any issues that might arise. And uh, you know the uh, repo market is a uh, boy. It is it it's really um, 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the right word. There are lots and lots of segments that get involved in that and lots of different banks and there are world currencies that get involved. The, uh, so I, I don't really pay that much attention to it. In fact, Peter Lynch said he never spent more than 15 minutes studying economics and he th- he felt like that 15 minutes he spent was wasted. <laughs> and, and by the by the way, I was an econ major in college, and Mike is an econ major now. That's right. So the uh, uh, yeah, by the time something surfaces, the stock prices normally already reflect that. And in fact, the Fed looks at the stock market as a leading economic indicator. So if you want to really know what's going on, watch the market. Now, the, the problem is the market's manic depressive. <laughs> the market has a tendency to worry about a lot of stuff that never comes to fruition. So, uh, yeah, you just uh, got to pay attention to the fundamentals. Try not to get try not to get too fancy. And, uh, you know, if everybody if anybody ever does develop a method for trading off of how the repo market's going, you can bet they will make a few hundred billion dollars. And then everybody else will figure out how to do it, and then it won't work anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm sorry to ramble on like that. Jimmy, did you have any uh, other questions or comments? No, no, other than the fact that, you know, this these recent interventions are, are uh, haven't been going on for a long time. They're kind of recent, and I'm just wondering if that points to some type of problem in the market. Well, it does. If they're coming to the assistance of somebody, somebody's ex- overextended their credit. So, but they'll handle that. That that problem can be handled. Hey, can you hang on? We got to take a real quick commercial break. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go, Bill. I'll uh, just uh, listen for the rest of the show. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. Listen to Bill Bullington, Mike Seeger, right here on uh, fourteen twenty. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And say you got a minute, friend, because I'd love to tell you something. You may think nothing of it, but wait, you're going to love it. Whatever I tell you, I have the one tr- And we're back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington, Mike Seeger, right here on 1420. Uh, you know, you can also find this show on 955thefish.com as a podcast, so that's kind of neat. And uh, Mike and I were just uh, having a little conversation here uh, during the commercial break in uh, something that we had started talking about. We'll be talking about this for a long time. You know, I, I've been talking about the 5G, and it's basically just the next phase, the next step uh, in the evolution of technology. Um, and uh, a lot of this stuff that is just now coming, you know, we were, I was reading about 10 or 15 years ago. It's finally making it. Okay. The, the Dick Tracy watch is almost here, <laughs> but you can't actually look into it and have the, the uh, camera see who you're talking to. But you can hold up your cell phone and your cell phone will, will show you what, uh, or your, your watch will show you what your cell phone is looking at through the camera. So it's very close, <laughs> but it's still not uh, exactly what uh, you know the, the actual Dick Tracy watch. And that's another really interesting thing. You don't ever want to have to try and predict the future with a high degree of accuracy. <laughs> when I'm people think I predict the future all the time, and I'm, I'm really just observing what's happening. And uh, and I'll change my if that changes, I'll change my opinion. I'd rather lose my opinion than my money. 
that, that's kind of a big deal. You need to be a little flexible if you're going to make it uh, in investing. And if you're not flexible, wow, that's rough because the people who aren't flexible typically have to invest in things like CDs, government bonds, and to try to make enough money in those categories, they end up getting taken advantage of by people who will show them a guaranteed rate that's not actually um, that safe. You know, And then inevitably they get to see the risk side of that equation and it doesn't work out that well. But uh, you got to be really careful about that. Uh, the good news is that so many companies are, are they're selling right where they should be, but we've got 5G, and that's coming. It's going to provide way more economic growth than cable television, than cell phones, than the Internet did. Now, the Internet provided a dramatic growth rate, and uh, actually it uh, accelerated through the mid-90s up through the year 2000, and then it peaked. And then once it peaked and started to slow down, uh, you know, market crashed, uh, particularly the tech stocks because they were overpriced. Everybody thought they were going to keep growing by 40% a year forever. And, uh, and then they realized that, no, actually, that's not going to happen. So you had the big correction. And the good news is we are nowhere near the valuation levels. We are about a third of the valuation levels that existed at that time. So that's why I'm so uh, enthusiastic about stocks in general and the economy in general. This will go down as the longest exp- uh, expansion in the history of the country. This is it. We're in it. We're experiencing it right now. Everyone's, is it going to end? We won't know until it's too late to do anything about it. <laughs> so you have to be prepared for the changes. Uh, and that's just called rebalancing your portfolio. If you are uh, really worried about that kind of stuff, you can you know you can always call my office, set up a, a get acquainted meeting, and I'll be glad to sit down and talk with you. Uh, you will have to come out to my office though, because I've gotten to the point where it's really difficult for me to go out and uh, continuously see people. Um, so I actually have to have them come in, <laughs> but the uh, but it's free, and I'm more than happy to, to sit down and talk with you and, and show you what I'm talking about. Uh, and, uh, this is one of the reasons that, uh, uh, we're doing the lookout for the bull thing. It, it's kind of a good time to be doing something like that. Um, markets are, are extremely cyclical. You know, there's a, there's an economic cycle The the thing about the economic cycles is everybody wants them to be uniform and they're not They're They've never been that way. And, uh, they go, well, this is the one and this is the shortest. And well, yeah, you know what? It's every single one of them has been different. There haven't been two identical ones. When I first started in the uh, uh, investment business, the average return for the stock market was only 9% a year. And then after the uh, 80s, that had crept up to 10% a year because the 80s were so good. And uh, But you know, the entire time I was in the market, and I went back and looked, the entire history that I was able to get access to, which was the early 1900s before the Depression, and the stock market had never returned 10% in any single year. <laughs> that was the average return. And uh, that's one of the more common mistakes I think I see when uh, investors are trying to do some planning on their own. They stick a, a, an, uh, a return number in there as if it's like interest in a CD. And that's not a good idea. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that at the uh, upcoming workshop as well. Um. 
definitely going to be talking about uh, why stocks are uh, probably one of your better places. And, you know, there aren't very many categories that are extremely overvalued right now. That's very encouraging for someone like myself, and it should be, encourage everybody. Because if stocks aren't overvalued, and you've got this thing, this, this technology that's changing the way that your cars behave, it's, it's changing the way that you access the Internet, it's changing the way that you get your television. Yeah. I mean, think about those things. It's changing the way that you'll use your cell phone. All of those industries, those four, are being affected in a big way, not a small way, in a big way. And we spend a lot of money on those industries, and it employs millions of people. So that's a really good thing. And uh, you got to watch out, too. you get you got to be positive. This is one of the better times, I think, in my lifetime. And, uh, I, but bad news sells. I was reading something the other day. I think it was Bloomberg. Bloomberg's talking about 80,000 people are going to lose their jobs because of automation in the auto industry. 80,000 people. I'm going, whoa, that's a big number. Wait a minute. I need to look up to see how many people actually work in the auto industry. And uh, it comes out to be something like 15 million. So you're talking about, uh, you know, it, fraction of a percent. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, <laughs> but I guess it's, yeah, it's okay. It broke my chain of thought for a few minutes, but um, I was able to look it up very quickly. And uh, so, and by the way, a lot of those last jobs were not in the United States. You know, they were uh, in, in Europe and other places. But, you know, automation change creates as many opportunities as it destroys in a lot of cases. And I know people think, well, the robots do a better job and they do it faster and they can do the work of five humans. Yeah, but somebody's got to uh, run that thing. need a technician too, yeah. Yeah, and uh, somebody's got to be there when it breaks. Uh, and what would you rather do, be handling the parts by hand or sitting there watching the machine do it and get up whenever it breaks? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd rather do. Yes, there are a lot fewer people and they're doing a lot, uh, it, uh, but other jobs are, are being created with that. Yeah, unless people stop eating, driving cars, wearing clothing, living in housing, okay, there, all those things still have to be provided. And so the economy uh, is not going to stop growing. And does it hurt when you're on the outside? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I feel horrible for the people who worked in a factory, uh, in an assembly line, that now are going to have to, you know, find another job. Because it, and by the way, that's been happening in Northeast Ohio since I was in high school. So uh, all the kids I went to school with thought that they were that they were either going to work for Ford, General Motors, or Chrysler, as Chrysler was still around at that time, or one of the big steel companies, or one of the thousands of smaller companies that worked did work for those other you know big facilities, and uh, it was tough. I mean, people hung around, didn't have jobs, had to finally decide, hey, I'm either going to have to go to school or uh, get training, get some sort of a skill. It's not easy. It's really not easy. But uh, that's just kind of the way that life is. And, uh, you know, so in my industry, I can I can see a day where you're going to sit down, you're going to read into a, a television screen, uh, actually going to be sit, sitting in front of a television screen, and it's going to be measuring your heart rate, and it's going to show you your portfolio, 
and it's going to show you your portfolio when the market's dropping. It's going to uh, tell you, okay, this this is actually the portfolio that's made specifically for you, and that'll be it. You know, you'll say okay, and it's going to make all that happen. Now, that's probably minimally ten years, probably more like fifteen years away, um, but I see it coming. You know, it's 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 actually going to come. So uh, I don't know how much resistance there will be in the industry to that because there are an awful lot of people that do work in my industry, and but. Uh, I can see that happening. And I think that overall, it's probably the, the greater good will probably uh, prevail there because the average investor just doesn't do very well. Uh, the average investor does about a third of what the average balance fund will do or has done in the past 20 years or so. And it's, it's upsetting to watch that happen because as we were talking about earlier, it takes a lot of money to be able to retire and you're going to need to have growth rates of, you know, better than 4% a year. The average individual investor over the past 20 years has averaged 1.7. That's what their average is. The average investor has only done 1.7. And it's amazing uh, to me that with all the technology and all this stuff, that that number is that low, that that really perplexes me. But, you know, when talking to people, I kind of get it now. The, uh, it's a, uh, I used to think it was so important that everybody would spend some time thinking about it, spend some time studying about it. And, uh, but I was a little naive there. Uh, and, uh, because you know, people have busy lives, very busy lives. And not everybody likes math, even if it's relatively simple math. And, uh, you know, and then when I look at the actual management of accounts, and what kind of a will that takes and what kind of a knowledge, what kind of knowledge base that takes, who has time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody's got time to sit down and do that stuff. So uh, that's why uh, look out for, for the Bull website. It'll still be good for a while, uh, probably a long time, because even the algorithms that run these things, a lot of them use price movement. And that's what that's mostly based on is price movement. So how do you benefit from that? Let's see. Uh, we'll talk about that at that upcoming seminar too. And I, I believe it's January 30th. I think that's a Thursday. Uh, it'll be, uh, we'll have the details up on the website uh, sometime this week and uh, try to get that out to you as quickly as we possibly can. But anyway, back kind of back to what I was uh, talking about a little earlier. Uh, it's exciting for me to see how things are progressing. There are an awful lot of things that are happening. Uh, Scientific American magazine that I was talking about, uh, some major oil companies in the Middle East had obviously spent a lot of money advertising because about a third of the magazine was devoted to their companies. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about the developments that they'd made. They understand global warming. They understand that that's not a, what well, the path that we're on today is not sustainable. And so it, it kind of, Looked like it might be a PR piece where they're, they're talking about the development of these cleaner technologies and they are cleaner. There, there's no doubt about it. In fact, natural gas is one of the better uses or one of the better, um, raw materials for a fuel cell car, uh, than, uh, just using electricity. As when you put the natural gas into a fuel cell car, you get oxygen and water. That, those are the emissions. And it's a, uh, 
electrochemical process. It's pretty cool. I'm not an engineer, so in fact, I have a hard time pronouncing that word. <laughs> but the uh, but I get it. I, I understand what the economic benefits of stuff like that is. And you've got planes flying all over Europe and through Saudi Arabia and, and all over the Middle East and even China that are using jet fuel that was derived from natural gas that burns a whole lot cleaner and uh, is significantly less expensive. So when you're getting cleaner emissions, uh, one of the things that that does, by the way, in addition to reducing the cost, the number one cost of every major airline, fuel. That's their number one cost. And all those people working there, all those pensions, <laughs> all that health insurance, and their biggest cost is fuel. It's <laughs> pretty crazy. So if you take the cost of that fuel down, that's a big bump to their bottom line. In addition, because it burns so much cleaner, the engine life is expected to be minimally 10%, on average 20% longer. Do you know how much a jet engine costs? I, mean, I don't know the exact number. I'm guessing it's huge. <laughs> so if you can extend that 10 to 20%, that reduces your cost even more significantly. And uh, for the first time in uh, my adult life, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, maybe I should start looking into some uh, airline stocks. But the uh, but I won't actually do that. I, I let my stock funds that pick stocks that way, I let them pick them. <laughs> so we'll see if they start popping up. Yeah. Yeah, and if they do start popping up on a scan, yeah, I, I won't, I'll take a shot at them, you know, no doubt, no, no doubt whatsoever. So just really fascinating that things are, are uh, growing in so many different industries that I don't think I've ever seen this. Well, it is really strange. We did talk a really little bit about uh, the whole Tesla presentation, right. but there are a bunch of different companies that are starting to come out with electric vehicles. Right. Like that is its own whole thing. I just saw one, I think it's coming 2021, it's its own electric truck, and it's all about that. Yeah, that is really cool. we got to take a real quick commercial break. You listen to uh, Mike Seager and Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Round and round this world we go, forming truths from what we know. But it can never be foretold what will happen tomorrow. It's easier to be the crowd, to just fit in and not stand out at all. To make a case for apathy and never risk a thing in case you fall. And this is life. And, and we're back. Listen to Bill Bullington, Mike Seager right here on 1420 The Answer. We're here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you hear anything that you'd like to talk about, you can always go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. Send me a little message. We'll be glad to follow up with you. Uh, if you'd like to come in and uh, just do a get acquainted meeting, you know, you're interested in, in doing some retirement planning, taking a look at, at where you might need to be, how you might get there, feel free. There's no cost to attend. Um, we're not a low pressure firm. We are a no pressure firm. So if we can help you, we'd love to. Yeah, if not, that's okay. Um, and I'm going to go to the phones right now and talk to Walter. Walter, you have a question or a comment? Yeah, uh, Bill. Um, the first question, uh, what do you think of closed-end funds? Uh, I think they're fine if you look 
and see what they're investing in. And uh, you know, there's kind of a lot of analysis there. Um, they can sell at discounts or premiums to the actual net asset value, though. So you got to be careful about that. Okay. Uh, do you see them as an alternative for income, like monthly income to like a, um, a annuity? Uh, you can. You're going to have risk there, um, market risk. With and you don't really know what's in a closed end fund. I mean, they they file a couple times a year and, and list their holdings. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I use exchange traded funds because I I can see exactly what they're holding. I mean, I know exactly what they've got. So I'm not relying on a manager somewhere uh, who's going to do something. It may not even be there. You know, managers change. Uh, they'll go from one firm to another firm. So it's it's not my favorite way to invest. It's not the most transparent way. And uh, and I'm a big fan of transparency. So, um, but but if you really know what you're doing there, then by all means, you know, you can. Uh, uh, there are a lot of good closed end funds out there. Um, another question. I heard you talk about electric cars there, your yeah. friends. Uh-huh. Uh, you? right. um, I'm a member of AAA, okay. and I read something a few months ago. They said that, um, and I was surprised at this figure. They said there's 200,000 electric cars in America right now. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if the number was that low. Yeah. I mean, I thought there would be more than that. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the reasons is, you know, I was looking around when I go to the gas station. I still have a gas uh, guzzler, so yeah, to speak. Sure. So do I. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where they have electric, um, you know, where you could uh, recharge your car well, most at of, most gas stations. Yeah, most of the electric cars have uh, a dashboard in them that will show you where the charging stations are on a map. So they've got a computer screen in them, mm-hmm. and they will locate charging stations for you. The vast majority of them do. So Okay, but but the infrastructure for charging still isn't like it is for fuel. Well, it's not like it's going to be either. Uh, that that it, They're building that out really quickly, and you'll see that start to pick up pretty dramatically. But the range on the newer cars, it, you know, all of them come out now with a 300-mile range. So if, if, you know, 300 miles, that's... That should be more than you're going to drive in a day unless you're taking a cross-country trip. And if you're going to take a cross-country trip, you may want to contact AAA and uh, get a regular. But if you have an electric car, it's got a map in there. So you could, uh, you shouldn't run out of power, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, give you, uh, you drink coffee, Bill? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I was, uh, I try to find stuff that's interesting, but uh, the biggest, co- uh, the biggest, um, brand of coffee that's uh, drank by the United, you know people in America yeah. is right here in Ohio. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, Orville, Ohio, I guess, Smuckers. Huh. Okay? Uh, number one brand in America when it comes to coffee, Folgers. Oh, that's pretty neat. Uh, number two, Maxwell House. Number three, Starbucks. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. The, uh, I'm a big Starbucks fan, but uh, I cannot get my coffee at home to taste like theirs does in the store. And I've tried a million times, but I'm not spending fifteen hundred bucks on an espresso machine. I, you know, I'm, I've already spent more than I want to. <laughs> yeah, right, but, right. Uh, but anyway, well, hey, thanks. I appreciate all the uh, information. Okay. Have a good Saturday. Take it easy, Bill. Bye. And uh, I've got Mike. Billy, how you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm listening to the show today. Great, uh, great callers. Great show. Very informative and. Uh, a couple of things. Charging stations, by the way, Amazon stock hasn't done anything in a little while, but uh, at every Whole Foods, there are four charging stations for electric cars. 
Oh, that's cool. So, uh, and then Starbucks bill, if you're like me, you're getting a $5 latte. I don't know. I thought about just dropping the 1500 and just getting a machine. That way the second year, I don't have to go, <laughs> I don't have to go to Starbucks anymore. Yeah. So that, from a pure number standpoint, five years out, I think we do real, real well. Yeah. Um, Hey, real quick, getting to uh, the average investor and the return which you right. and I have validated yep. in 20 years, people have averaged 1.6 or 1.7%. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, you would think today with all the information and all the education, uh, yep. like the classes you give or your show, right. I, I'm just curious to see the sentiment of, of you know, average investors, um, you know, I guess people look for value, but they also should pay for advice. So yeah, um, yeah. you and I were are, are professionals from a long way back and yep. you know, we can verify many, many stories and many families that we've you know helped. And uh, I encourage all your listeners because uh, it is a very daunting and challenging task, what uh, we do for a living. Yeah, and I know. I, I would I, encourage I, them to, to pay for advice. Um, you know, usually when you get something for free, it's worth exactly what you pay for it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times it ends up costing you. So. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, real quick. So, uh, let's talk about oil and I know the electric, you know, no one wants to hear this. That's the, 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 the tree hunters that are in the audience, but 70% of all the batteries are charged by one thing, clean, beautiful coal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which probably drives people crazy. And, uh, I was with a millennial in Southern California and his parents, who is very much one of those advocates, which I fully endorse, and I think everyone sure. wants clean water, clean yep. air, and a clean right. planet. Yep. Um, so, uh, and he said that, uh, lamenting how the portfolio, he wanted to be more ESG, and maybe you could talk about that. And I think the industry is growing, and certainly you take a look at oil stocks. Um, I don't think they've been this cheap for well, over a decade. Many right. have rich dividends. Right. And I don't think that the spigots are going to be shut off anytime soon. So, you know, talk about maybe some of the metrics with respect to that. Um, and uh, just want to let you know we enjoy your show. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Have a good weekend, Mike. Have a good buddy. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. 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 By the way, you know, oil, um, only 40% of it's actually used for fuel. Really? The other 60% is plastic, paint. You know, they've got all kinds of other uses for oil. But uh, so it's not like it's going to go away uh, once you quit burning it, you know, in an internal combustion engine. Uh, it's just that, and by the and a lot of oils used in to uh, generate electricity. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but there are there are cleaner sources. We should get to them. I'm. I already. I I am absolutely convinced that the reason that we don't are not off of oil already is because it's such a major component of the worldwide economy. And it would really hurt a lot of countries, especially Russia. Russia is heavily dependent on oil uh, to be able to exist as a country. And those guys aren't going to go down easy. You know, they don't want to, they're not going to give up. Uh, they're, you know, you're talking about the, the, the potential dissolution of one of the world powers because we're not using oil. Mm-hmm. And I think if they, it's, it's such a strange situation, but eventually, inevitably, it moves away. And, uh, solar has been improving every year, 15% or better. That's amazing. When, when you're improving by 15% in four to five years or better, in four to five years, you are literally able to do twice as many things 
as you could five years ago. That's a 100% improvement. Okay. So you just do that for 10 or 15 years and watch what happens. I mean, it's, it, it's fascinating to see this. So it does give these countries, and that's why I think, you know, I was talking about that Scientific in America magazine with all these, uh, look like ads. It, it's advertorial. <laughs> and all the work that the, uh, Middle East countries were doing in solar and, and, uh, clean energy, you know, they're trying to, um, kind of convince people that, you know, they're going to be a player in that market, I guess. And, and I know they will be. They've got enough money to do it. But, you know, giving, getting everybody on board is pretty tough, especially when you've got, uh, uh, world powers like Russia who are so heavily dependent on oil and gas sales. The, uh, it'd be really, really, really difficult for those countries to, uh, wean off of that. You know, they've, they've been so used to it for support. You know, I think America is actually the only country, at least it was when I was going to school, that taught economics as a standalone science. Uh, every other country taught it as political economics. Mm. And uh, that's uh, because when you think about it, you know, economic policy is kind of decided by the political parties that are in power. So that made sense to me when I was watching it, and it still does. In fact, one of the things I found really fascinating was if you want uh, economic statistics on any country in the world, you go to the CIA's website. (laughs) (laughs) They they keep all the economic records for the entire world. It it, it, makes sense because desperate people do desperate things, Mm -hmm. and you got to keep an eye on them. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Wow. I can't believe it. The show's over. That went by really fast. Hey, you've been listening to Look Out. Actually, not look out for the bull, the Bullington Kepler Report <laughs> with Mike Seeger, who's the uh, publisher of Look Out for the Bull, Bill Bullington. If you have any questions, please feel free to give us a call or reach out with an email. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck, good investing, and thanks, Mike, for coming in again. Yeah, no problem. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.